Welcome to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast, an unfiltered look into the global vacation and short-term rental industry. I'm Mateo Bradford. And I'm John Stokinger. And this is our podcast. We bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside view and take on the short-term rental industry like no other podcast can. Good morning, Mateo. How are you? Man, I, you know what, John? I'm good. Uh, I'm back to good. And, uh, you know, I have to actually give you a shout out to, uh, because, oh, damn. because of that, man. I, I'll uh, take it. I'll take you it. Know, last week, uh, last week I lost my brother, man, when we were on the road and just wanted to know how much I appreciate you, man. I, I really do. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm always giving flowers, uh, to people while they're around. So, um, I'm good this week. You had a big part in that. And I just want to thank you, man. You're my partner and my brother, and I love doing this with you. So Yeah. Back to fantastic. We're gonna have a great show today, and let's get into it. Well, well, thank you. It's it's uh, you, you had some shit you're going through, so it's uh, understandable. But uh, and of course, like that's that's what we do. Um, season four, episode fifteen. Uh, we're back at it. We have got a, a great host. We've been wanting to get on a great guest. I mean, we want to get on. Um, you and I had the an opportunity. We didn't. I we didn't get to go last year, but we actually were uh, did get to go to SR Wealth in Nashville this year. It was a great show. I learned a lot. And uh, without I gotta fr- be I, well, I gotta be honest. So, I, Bill, I'm sorry. I work for a poor startup. So I was there, but I wasn't really there. Right, you were outside the venue. I was happy to support. No, happy to support. I, you know, I was able to take. You know, to to kind of see from the sidelines everything that was going on, and it was incredible. Can't wait to dig into talking about what you're doing and what you're creating. So, you know, we'll make sure. Well, let's make sure that you can attend next year because it's going to be bigger and better. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about that too because uh, I I was excited. I uh, I did go ahead and, and get a vendor ticket. Um, was able to attend and, and got some good takeaways, talked to a bunch of amazing people. It was interesting to see um, everyone come together. But without further ado, Bill Faith, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. I'm pretty uh, pretty excited. I think we uh, we swim in the same pool with the No BS podcast and STR Unfiltered. So excited. Yeah, yeah. So, so disclaimer, if you have, you have an issue with potty mouth, well, first of all, you're probably not listening to our podcast anyways, because I dropped like, you know, multiple F-bombs. May, this episode might be out Anthony's uh, F-bomb count. Like, I think he said, I think it was no, like 20 something fucks. Yeah, um, that's possible. <laughs> Shout out to Anthony and Eddie's, but I don't know if that's possible. Dude. That's, that's, uh, that's a year and a half ago. That was, that was, uh, it was an impressive, that was an impressive record. Yeah. yeah well, you guys have a back end editing, like the Dan Patrick show where you get the ding every time yeah. somebody says, I'm 6'6, 295, <laughs> when enough bombs dropped. Right. That's funny. <laughs> um, we, do need to, we do need to have a bullshit button. Like, it was, yeah. like somebody says that. Yeah. Be the um let, let's talk about bill let, let's talk like you your your resume is impressive but you know how how do you go you know i i'm looking at that you've been in real estate for over 25 years you've been dabbling in 2015 you switched most of your portfolio from residential over str like like, like where let's let's go Further than that, let's go further back. You know, you know, we talk about this a lot that no one really gets into this this industry as like, I'm gonna go up and I'm gonna grow, I'm gonna grow up and I'm gonna be a short-term rental investor. I'm gonna, you know, potentially I'm gonna get into real estate. That's a different story. But STR is new, you know, maybe now 
kids are, you know, 18, 19 year olds are getting out of, getting out of high school. They're like, I'm going to get into, you know, short-term rentals, but, but at our demographic, our age, that wasn't the case. You know, yeah. let's talk like, what was your first like dabblings into what, what you're doing today? Let's talk about your beginnings. Real estate in general or, or STR? Yes. Like how, how do you, how do you translate transition from real estate general into, you know, like to what you're doing today? Like, yeah, I'll go all the way back to, I dropped out of, I, I had a full ride to UCLA to play golf. I dropped out after five months, turned professional at 18 years old. Okay. Um, and basically I never forget my first, uh, first paycheck made 3,500 bucks, about a $3,000 Rolex. <laughs> and one of my really good friends and my best man at my wedding was my CPA. I'd known him since I was 10, 11, 12 years old, 12 when I started playing golf. So my first year I played professional golf, I made 320 grand, uh, which was a lot of money in 1993, a lot. And uh, he's like, what are you going to do with this? I'm like, I'm going to fucking Vegas, man. I love blackjack. I love drinking. I love partying, all that type of stuff. I mean, I'm 19 years old with a, a you know, a fake ID, a passport from a guy on my golf team at UCLA it was from Sweden. It looked nothing like me, like five, seven blonde hair. I'm this ginormous, you know, Sasquatch trying to get into bars and clubs. But he said, why don't we invest some of that money? And uh, so he convinced me to buy, it was like a $120,000 duplex. Um, and that, and I'm not, and I've just turned 20. That was my first foray uh, into real estate. And it just kind of grew, you know, from there. Um, and I kind of had a little bit of a pit stop where I started Bell Aqua Bikinis and I was drop shipping in from a family I'd stayed with just outside of Sao Paulo, Brazil in 1994, just one data point. If anybody builds websites out there, it cost me $188,000 and took seven months to build a website back in the day, in uh, which we could do for like 10 bucks on Spotify in 15 minutes today. Yeah. Um, so I was my business partner in my glow golf business, Reg Booth, one of the biggest influences I've had in my life. Um, he bought a place in Estes Park, Colorado, that was just for like our district managers and our regional managers. We were about a $36 million a year company at that time. And he didn't tell me, um, and my family, we went and stayed out there and it was incredible. I'd never been to Estes Park. And then he bought this two bedroom condo, uh, in Destin and, you know, I owned half of them unbeknownst to myself. And that's kind of how we started, but it was really friends and family and employees and that type of stuff. We had 700 uh, employees at that time. And uh, I'll never forget, we were we had lunch with a very good friend, William Wilson. He owns Frangista Beach um, Real Estate and whatever it is, property management down in Dallas and manages like 400 properties. Um, and he, him and I used to travel together in Asia and South America playing professional golf. And my wife wanted a beach house. And we are sitting at the pizza place wait, in 38. Whose wife doesn't want a beach house? Every All of them do. They all do. Everybody does. And, and, and I want a beach house too. Yeah. <laughs> so we're if anybody's been to 38, they know the pizza joint on the beach side. And we're having lunch with him and his wife, yeah. Mary Bess. I call him Wee Wee. He's the big real estate guy. And Bria's like, hey, we want to buy a house down here. Yeah. And he's all, how much money do you have? I said about 125K. He's all, well, you, you know that Highway 98? And this is in like 2015. He's like, you're gonna have to go on the other side of that at that time uh, for what Bria wanted. She wanted to see the ocean, hear it and smell it and be able to walk to it. And he's like, hey, you might wanna go to the Redneck Riviera about a three hour drive and go check out Gulf Shores because you can't afford here. Mm. And because it was- you drive, you drive right past the floor of Bama there, you know, you're, you're right in that 
those woods. Exactly. Welcome to Orange Beach. Yeah. So we went to uh, about three, four weeks later, we flew down to Gulf Shores and we saw 10 properties in one day. And uh, the first one was the one that we bought uh, down there. It was a tier two, uh, you know, four bedroom, very customized beach house. I didn't know about buying unique at that point, but we just, the way that me and my wife were organically, we just stayed away from the chopped up small cookie cutter uh, stuff. And we bought the one with the grand staircase and, you know, the, the big mural and had a 400 square foot master bedroom and bathroom. It was just crazy. And it ended up standing out and that's kind of our first foray. And I had a property manager, um, you know, very typical when somebody doesn't know what they're doing, the agent works, uh, there's a property management company with a real estate brokerage. Hey, we'll manage it for you. Okay, great. I don't have to do anything. Then I found out in about three months, they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. And when I started asking for, you know, P&Ls on the property and, you know, the marketing strategy and plans, and they weren't doing any social media, no Facebook ads, nothing. And so I pulled it away from them and broke my contract and took it over after three months. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's how I started self-managing remotely in short-term rentals in 2015. So that was 2015. That was your first foray into STR. And, and this is in Gulf Shores, which I love that market, like that whole, the whole anywhere from Alabama, like that whole Gulf, all the whole panhandle is just a gold mine. Like, like it doesn't matter which side you're on all the way to PCB and further. I mean, it's just amazing. Um, but you know, that was whatever, that was eight years ago. Now, you know, how many, how many properties are you managing today? How many do I manage? I co-host 13. I own 12. Uh, I have another one under contract. I'm actually closing on selling one tomorrow. I try to keep my owned portfolio at like no more. I was going to stop at 10, probably 12 to 13. I have no desire to get any more than that, but, um, I kind of have in both my co-hosting business and in my personal property. Uh, I don't want to own a property that's doing less than $150,000 a year in revenue. Um, and I didn't have the means to be able to purchase that, uh, when I first started. So I've had to grow and rehab and burr and flip and do all the things that I need to do uh, to be able to grow out of cash flow because I put $126,000 down on that first property and I've, I've put no additional cash into my STR business. I've grown strictly out of cash flow since then. Well, that's, that's, that's amazing. Yes. Talk to, I first stumbled across you probably three years ago on Facebook just doing my research for, for my side, the vendor side of the industry. Um, and I, I stumbled across you and you were going through, it might've been in Gulf Shores, actually. You're going through uh, doing a, a video of a new home you had just purchased and you're walking around and you're showing all these different, different amenities and, and, why, and why this property is a differentiator or different. Um, you're doing outside, inside. It was, it was probably a 15 minute video maybe a little less, 10 minutes, but it, it sucked me in. Like, who the fuck's this guy? I'm like, but hey, he kind of knows this shit. Like I just, you know, and I had never seen you. I just stumbled across you. And then I noticed you got this, you know, you have a large following and you have this, you know, this Facebook group. And, and then two years later, you know, I think I've, I'm seeing you, you know, your first SDR wealth with Mike. I'm like, oh, this is the same dude. You know, for me, I was like, I'm just kind of putting the pieces together. Has, have you used Facebook like a lot, you know, your your group and, and what you're doing? Like, has that been a big catalyst for your growth, you think? Um, it all started back in club with Clubhouse in the end of 2020, I think it was, or 2021, I think is when Clubhouse launched. 
So I started Build Short-Term Rental Wealth in uh, July of 2020. Um, I was in this the educational business, coaching business in the limousine space, which went to zero in about two weeks right. when COVID hit. And I was the first vendor in our industry to give uh, all my products away for free. So I was working for free along with my team. And I had to do something. I mean, I did PPP and EIDL and all that stuff that everybody else did. Right. Um, but I, I made the fundamental mistake of launching my BillFaith.com brand to try to help everybody and not niche down and be specific. Mm -hmm. uh, and Chris, my COO, who was with me, he's been with me for six years. He runs the Wealth Conference event, produces all that type of stuff. Um, he finally convinced me to do the STR thing because we, um, I had a client in the limousine space and in the STR space named Richard Fertag, who was the founder of Short-Term Rental University. And we kind of rebuilt his entire platform for him. And, um, you know, he, uh, he, he, there wouldn't be any of us if he would have continued to do it with Chris and I building it behind him because he would just dominate all of us. And he would be, and we were, we were going to plan the first conference for him at the same venue. We were going to host it in 2019. Yeah. Um, so we basically, him and I had a falling out, uh, but I hosted his first boot camp in my office here in Nashville and kind of built the whole thing. And it took two years for Chris to convince me, Hey, we just need to do this on our own. And now's the right time. So the one thing that I did, and I'm very cognizant of, I, I live uh, behind two tenants. One, I don't let any assholes inside my inner circle. I don't have any any desire or time to deal with that BS. Um, and I believe in giving more than I receive. Yeah. And so for the first six months, there was no product. There was nothing, no membership, no coaching calls, nothing. I spent five to seven hours a day in every other Facebook group that was out there, because it was me and Chris and my wife and, you know, a couple of friends, a couple of limo people at that time. Right. Um, and by about by about the time that Christmas came around, I had about maybe 2000 people in my Facebook group after six months. Wow. And um, which seems like nothing today, but it was ginormous for me that, you know, two th I, I never got over like 1500 in the limousine industry because it was so small, such a small industry. And uh, I did no ads, nothing. I just literally grinded in, in Facebook groups. And then I got on Clubhouse uh, right around that time and, and things started to, I was the black sheep on Clubhouse. And because I was the only, everybody's talking about arbitrage and co-hosting and management. Nobody was talking about buying property and investing at that right. point. Mm -hmm. And um, so I started a mastermind. That was the very first thing that I did. And it was bringing my experience in 27 startups and building a couple of $30 million plus companies, um, you know, to this industry. And that's the way that I treat each individual property. And nobody was discussing that, at least from a coach's standpoint or an influencer standpoint or whatever that is. They're just talk about, you know, renting properties and hospitality. It's like, in heads mentality. I think it, that was the difference. It wasn't a necessarily a uh, behind it. Agree. And the ones that even got it, they focused on hospitality where it's important. But for me, it's business is the most important. My PLs, my evaluations up front, my performas, uh, my balance sheets, all that type of stuff. So I brought this business perspective that just nobody was speaking about. And what happened is the the professionals, the 35 to 60 year old people just started following me in droves because they were my people. You know, it wasn't, and, and I don't mean to like age segregate, but the ones that owned the entrepreneurs were my people. The ones that had jobs didn't really get it yet, right? That had never owned a business. 
And then it kind of just continued to manifest and grow and grow and grow. And once I hit like five or 6,000 people, so what I had to do is get, almost give away my mastermind. My mastermind's 15 grand a year now. I started at 4,000, 4,500 bucks. And I just hand selected 15 people that were the most active in my group that I'd had coaching calls with for free that I'd started relationships with. And I said, I'd love to invite you to be an OG uh, and join my mastermind. And what I needed was I needed uh, people that were coachable, people that had the desire to learn and execute and people that I knew would appreciate and become my advocates to help me grow my business. Yeah, because, because even already, though I'm, I'm a marketing guy, there's nobody better to grow a business than your customer base. Yeah, right. I agree. 100%. And I think it's interesting that you found the niche, right? Of, And it's interesting that you look at it from like the age demographic, because to me, it would seem like it would be more of their background and where they are, right? Like we see people who have business backgrounds who come into this space and see it through a business lens, right? Mm -hmm. There's the hustle mentality of people that, you know, are hustling, maybe arbitraging. It's not, they don't look at it through the lens of a business. They're not looking at the P&Ls. They're not looking at profitability. They're looking at, you know, the gross picture and just more is better, not, you know, that right is better. And, you know, we're seeing that transition, right? From this hustle filter through to what we call the professionalization of the industry. And that line is being blurred now, right? Because that was typically something that was just held for professional managers within the space. Right. Professional managers know this. They have management companies that they're doing this. But now with the advent and in, in the introduction of new technology and in masterminds and the educational opportunities that people have, you don't have to be a professional manager to get the tools to manage your properties effectively. And I think that's a game changer. It's interesting. It's, it's definitely changing the way our industry looks and operates, but you know, what did you see first? Like, I, I see how you got into this, but your business mind, when did that opportunity really click? Like this is a lane that you could put some polish on and really have it. When I took that. that first house, the beach house in Fort Morgan, Alabama, it wasn't even in Gulf Shores and it had done 44, $45,000 the previous year under the property management company. And I did 98 grand in the first 12 months on my own. And then I did 114 the next year wow. and I repainted, we re we refurnished. Um, I created my own direct booking site uh, I was leveraging social media. I added a golf cart. I add, I, I 38 it. Right. So right, nobody right. was doing that stuff in Fort Morgan. I added a, a Mac daddy golf cart with stereo and spinning rims and, you know, four inch lift kit and all that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, kayaks, paddle boards, all the shit that, that people do to that stand that's been standardized today, yeah. uh, and was pr pretty much, Oh, I had bikes. So I kind of took the experience that I wanted in an upper scale area of 30A because I live in the 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 new nouveau riche part of Nashville, the wealthy part of Nashville. The old school blue blood money is about five, six miles away from me. But when I'm running Facebook ads, we all want the same stuff. Right. And it doesn't matter how much money you have, you still want it cheaper. Right. So same. my marketing was, hey, you can drive you y'all can fucking drive down I-65. You're gonna choose to go left to 30A and spend about three thousand dollars more a week. Or you can come stay with me in Fort Morgan and save $3,000, have a bigger property, a more private beach, and all the amenities that you have there. That was my marketing stance. So that's the premise to answer your question. When I saw, when I went from 45 to 112, 
and I was seeing about six times LTR rates and the STR rates, it's game on at that point, right? right? And that's when I sold my condos here that I own uh, in Nashville. And I decided I was going to roll that into short-term rentals. It's interesting too. You mentioned you mentioned a property management company, and you mentioned the fact that you know the 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 kind of the meld between like real estate companies that that then turn into property. And if those are watching on on Facebook on uh, YouTube, see that I'm putting air quotes here. Like you know, turn into property management companies. Like it's a totally different mindset. It, just because you're good at real estate doesn't mean you're good at good at renting it out. And, you know, and you are testament of that because, you know, you took it from, you know, mediocre 45,000, which isn't bad. Like it's a decent still return, but, but then to go ahead and, you know, two and a half that in year one for what, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty significant and it's just a different fucking mindset. And I, I love that about, about what you're doing. I want to talk about, oh, hosting and, and not everyone and it's, for us in the professionally managed world, co-hosting is a relatively newer term. What is your definition of co-hosting? Um, the property owner has control. Whereas a traditional property management company has control. The property, property owner is literally stripped of their investment. Um, typically, the property management company, if they're good at it, makes more money. Uh, than the 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 property owner does, uh, they control everything. Uh, so for me, a co-host is different. At least the way that I operate, I can't speak for anybody else. Um, my co-hosting clients own all of their assets, the OT, Airbnb, Verbo, everything. Um, they they collect all the funds, they pay all their taxes. I am a marketing and hospitality manager. That's what I do for them, right? Do I schedule cleaners? Yes, but it's all automated. Um, do I schedule maintenance if we need a plumber or something like that? I do make those phone calls. Do I escrow funds and take funds and then distribute and have an escrow account? Absolutely not. Uh, so I view myself as basically a revenue optimization marketing hospitality company. That's what I do as a co-host. On average, do you think what is a co-host or what's their cut? Like, what, what do you make? Like, like for me, I would think, man, a co-hosting, there's no money in that. Like where, where I can go ahead, you know, if I'm at a traditional property management uh, situation, you know, in, I know every market varies, the, the variable varies, but you know, on average, it's anywhere from the, the homeowner is taking either, you know, 75 to 80% and the property management company is is making, you know, taking that 25 to 20%. In some situations, it's 15%, right? It's less. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what the average is, you know, nationwide. I can only share what I do. I mean, I have quite a few people in my mastermind. It's interesting, people that have owned, that have started co-hosting because it is profitable. Um, so I started with uh, my good friend, Bill, and uh, very publicly, he was at the first conference. Uh, Marty, who's the sensei on Cobra Kai and, uh, you know, karate kid was my second co-hosting client. Uh, they were both 18% and 18%, but I'm a little bit different. I charge a two ninety nine a month retainer. So there's a couple of things that I hate about traditional property management. One, they own everything and it's, it's a closed box that the homeowner does not get access to. We don't see the actual transactions on the direct booking or the OTAs. 
They they hide those from us. Um, so I wanted full transparency. That's why my clients own every asset, and they 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 are the primary. And sometimes, uh, some sometimes I'm the primary host. Sometimes my clients the primary host. It depends on what access they want to see with all the messaging uh, and everything. But that's up to their discretion. I don't really care. So I right. want to be transparent. I'm not going to handle any of their money. Um, and most importantly, I'm not going to hold them to future bookings. So literally I have a 30 day cancellation. Uh, that's it. 30 days just because, and I'll, and I've, I'll cancel in five days if the owner's ready to take over or if they're unhappy with my services and want to hire a PM or another, another co-host. So that's how I basically built my parameters, my contract, the way I would want to be treated as the homeowner. So I charge the $299 as the insurance policy. I don't even know, but I probably have probably have a million dollars plus booked between today and Labor Day on my co-hosting accounts through the summer. And how I, many co-hosting accounts are you running? I have 13 right now. Okay, we already talked. I'm sorry about that. And probably close to a million bucks, if not over. And every one of them could cancel today and take all that revenue and I would lose my between 18 to 22% commission. That's what the 299 retainer is for. It's just a small retainer to protect my future and it doesn't co cover advertising or marketing or anything like that. It's just so they have the ability to exit at any time if I don't perform. And they say, well, why would you do that compared to everybody else attaches to, I think Evolve is like 90 days or six months or a right. year or whatever. And it goes back to my sales pitch. I'm so fucking confident that I'm going to be the best co-host or property manager that you will ever see as long as you own this property that I'm willing to let you out immediately because that makes me earn my commission every single stay, right? And then when I tell somebody that and they see the confidence from me, and this is all my co-hosting masterclass, by the way, but that's that confidence is what's critical uh, for people. And the back to the PM, Literally, I took over a property on January 1st, the last one that I've added, and it's about a quarter of a mile from my number one producing property in Gulf Shores uh, in West Beach, if anybody's familiar with that. It's just over the bridge and a beachfront property, 6'4", with an elevator and a hot tub, no pool. And they did 185 last year. That's a joke. I yeah. mean, literally, the owner should sue the property manager. I don't know who they were using, but should sue the property management for negligence to be because that property, he asked me what we could do. And I said, oh, we'll do 250, 260. If I don't do 300 plus on a down year, even you know, looking at 20, 30% down with that property, then I'm not doing my job. And we're tracking like, I think 291 right now, going into the summer with open dates. And right. it's one of the fundamental reasons is my focus is mar marketing, listing optimization, email marketing, and Facebook ads, those three things. Is I what I do to drive higher revenues. Those three things, most PMs don't do that. I, I I will agree that that a lot of PMs do not do not do that. I agree that those you know the actual the the actual marketing aspects, the email, the the social, the driving the driving people to the business and differentiating compared to the others. I I can agree with you. I I disagree, in in to an extent that. A lot of, you, you mentioned that PMs do not, you know, a lot of, let me backtrack. A lot of property managers are very transparent. And so I think that generalist, generalizing the, you know, the, 
the fees and all these different things and not being transparent for you know professionally managed or traditional property managers, I, I don't think that's accurate. Um, I for sure there are some. I and I and I'm not saying that there are not, but the, I think there are uh, there are some very good property managers that do are very transparent and are do come through with what they're saying, but. Then you take the next level and with you co-hosting and what you're doing in your masterclass and really focusing on the marketing. And that's the differentiator there. Um, yeah, I, there's no question that they, the, I don't say, I don't want to say that it's that they don't know how to market, um, but they, they market their company. You can see it with the, the big one, Vacasa and Evolve all day long, right? Just go click, go to their website and you'll see how they market. They don't market individual properties and that's the fundamental thing that i would love for them to understand to benefit their owners and to come into the new age we can't market our business we have to market the individual properties to the right people that are interested in going to those properties and you can do it so easily you know on facebook or linkedin or google wherever you want to do that um and it kind of ties into the the rankings if you will you know if you're you have to be ranked. The higher you're ranked on Airbnb and Verbo, the better opportunity you have to to implement higher pricing, right? And there's marketing strategies that will help that. I and I actually drive traffic to my both my OTAs and some of them I use TripAdvisor. I don't do booking at all, uh, but predominantly just Airbnb and Verbo. Um, I can tell you the majority of the old school companies that I am aware of, hundreds of them, they are not transparent. I think the new age, like yourselves, are are definitely more transparent. I see some in all the markets that I'm in and even clients that I have that deal with them. The newer ones are, but the old schoolers definitively are not from my experience. I actually agree with that. I think it's a big cultural shift in marketing tactics also, right? Because you have these cottage industries that are catching up with technology, right? They're, te they're catching up with how to market and building direct booking strategies. And now you, you have to have social media and how, and, and it's not just having it, it's how you do it. Right. And it's the concept I love. Like they, they never had to highlight individual properties and, or had the capability to highlight individual properties in the way that they do right now. And so I think it's interesting. There's this push, um, you know, from the host side of the business, um, and you know, the, the younger side of the business to, you know, say, hey, like they're showing you how to get it done. And it'll be interesting to see who adapts and does it. Um, and, you know, who kind of digs their heels in and continues to do what they're doing. As we talked about in, in the pre-show, I kind of went through this in an old school, stodgy, non-technology based injury in the ground transportation space where I built a 10 million. It was easy for me to build a $10 million ground transportation company in Nashville because I leverage marketing and technology like HubSpot. If anybody's heard of HubSpot, I was a 33rd customer of HubSpot's in January of 2007. Wow. And, you know, and they, we just got disrupted by, by Uber and then Lyft and then Via, right? And we all are Uber users and Lyft users today. You know, nobody's very, probably nobody listening to this unless they're like an executive corporate traveler is booking a sedan or an SUV to go to dinner and paying for it to wait for three hours when you can Uber there and Uber back. Right. Or the same thing for the airport. And then I don't even do it anymore. I'm an Uber guy, um, you know, but I was competing against them. And I see a very similar thing happening uh, that the old school PMs are going to have to 
learn and catch up from the technology side of what the new the nouveau reach hosts are doing the owners and also the co-hosts and the young property management companies because it's all technology based i mean i'd be interested at vrma this year hopefully they'll do some surveys i want to know how how many of them are using ai you know in yeah. in their marketing in their hosting and i'll bet it's a very small percentage um and then if it is break that down by age demographic and I think you'll get some really telling data. That's what we found in our industry uh, when we went through kind of a similar disruption. I just think this one's going to be a lot slower. Well, let's let's actually dive into that a little bit. Let's talk about, you mentioned Verma, and I want to talk about there's two different, well, well first, <laughs> before we go there, I, I agree with I agree with what you're saying. And, and, and definitely like looking at these old antiquated, uh, you know, property management companies using antiquated systems. They're like these legacy companies that have been doing this for 30 years, 40 years in vacation destination markets. And, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, it's fucking broke. Like you got to fix it. Like you got to go ahead and look at it and, and and figure out how to compete with all these up and comers. And they're everywhere. And, you know, Joe's somebody down the street that, that had five Airbnbs and, you know, now is figuring out, oh, I got this tech and I can do all this. And I'm using all these different things and I'm using homeowner acquisition tools. And now I've gone for five, I'm at 30 in a year. You know, I have a great friend in Hilton Head that went from, you know, with zero to over a hundred in a year, like mm -hmm. fucking crushing it, right? Tech, using it, it you know, in, mm -hmm. and embracing it. Um, but let's, let's talk about, you mentioned Burma and I, there's a huge difference. So I'm a... I'm a prior. I don't know if I'm still on the Verma board. I have no idea. No, I'm not a membership committee, not board. Um, oh, I, uh, yeah, there's been some, there are two different camps here. And uh, Mateo and I are big believers that sure, there should be one camp for the greater good of, of STR overall in alternate accommodations and, and how do we go ahead and, 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 and make this accessible and make make tech and knowledge and, and advocacy accessible for all. Where Verma uh, crushes, they are they are at the forefront of advocacy. They're doing a lot of amazing things for that. But where they are falling flat, in my personal opinion, is being open and accessible and in actually delivering like 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 knowledge. Like, like, like to go to a Verma conference, if I was a property manager, I'd want to get some fucking knowledge. I wanted some, some to, to come away with like, man, I, I came with these great nuggets and like, I'm going to go ahead and put this into my, you know, and they do it in certain places, but they don't do it all the time. And where I'm, I know I'm, I'm speaking in circles here, where, where I'm, I'm trying to go is there are old school Verma, VRMA, uh, legacy people that are like solid, solid property managers and solid business owners that would, that would look at your conference and roll their fucking eyes. Mm -hmm. Okay. They will. And they're like, oh, what the fuck? Like, this is a get, get rich quick scheme. It's blah, blah, blah. But you know, you, you name it, you input it in there and they're going to say something like that. I think, I think where you know, after going, after going to your SEO Wealth Conference, which I got a lot of great things out of, I think it was a lot of up, 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 up. But then it, it was like, okay, what happens next? Oh, like, this is how you do it. This is how you get into it. 
And for me personally, what I got out of it as someone that, that knows the industry decently well, okay, I'm, I'm, I've got my foot in the door. I'm getting excited. Things are going. But it, was, it seemed like this is how you do it. And then it, there wasn't much more depth from that. I think that if we took your mindset or you know, that mindset together with a Verma mindset of like a good, I think there's a meld that we're not seeing between all these different organizations and these different mindsets and, and those that are fresh in with amazing perspectives and those that have been doing this and been in the trenches for fucking ever. I think there's a win, win, win for all, everybody. If we all just put down our fucking guards and be like, Hey, we're all in this together. How do we win together? I don't disagree with you. I, I don't know enough people in the, in that side, if you will, to even know who would be the, the influencer, but I will tell you from past experience, it's going to, if, if there is a divide, which it, from what you're saying, it sounds like there is hundred um, percent. And I don't know who's created that divide, but it's going to take people from both sides of influence to be able to broker that. Um, and it's not, it's not going to be arbitrary. And the big problem is, is that like my event next year will be bigger than Burma. There's no question. And then that's going to create a territorial issue, you know, between them and, and our event potentially. Um, you know, and it just becomes harder and harder. Um, I would be the first one to say, if you guys are on the board or whatever, you know, give me an introduction, I'll go to their event or, you know, do whatever, because I agree with you. And, you know, like I said, I've been through this in the ground transportation space and I've been on both sides of, of that fence. And I think that what you will see growing is both will have to evolve. They have to, right. To be able to compete with each other. It's just like we do with with any type of hosting, right? You know, the more of you guys that are out there doing podcasts and education, the more people like myself that are doing it, whoever, it just, it influence the, the reach gets bigger and bigger uh, to bring more people into our industry. If there wasn't all of our stuff in clubhouse and podcasts and social media and stuff during COVID, there's no question that the the boom happened a lot in part of what we all did. We talked about our successes. We shared that and then from an educational standpoint, people see it and then they want to get into it, right? And there's thousands of people with more influence than I have on social media, you know, good, bad, and indifferent that can right. do that. And, you know, I look at young people, like I got to know the Robinsons pretty well at my conference and, you know, they started in a completely different way. You right. know, then I started and there's so many different avenues to break into it. I think the thing that's going to be, I think, I guess my point is, it, I think you're hundred percent correct. It needs to happen sooner rather than later, you know, to be honest with you. Um, and I don't know why there's a rift. Um, I know why, I know why there's I might be I mean, part of it because I'm not a fan of old school, uh, property managers because I went not because of the position I'm in today that lingers from the experience that I had with that old school property management company. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes, it makes a lot of sense. And it actually, you know, the question I was going to ask you is like, how do you envision the unification? But then, it, you know, hearing you talk, the reality is to get, a, to get involved with both because, you know, John, I, so I, I chair a, a committee for VRMA and work with VRMA very closely, <laughs> but I'm also very much so 
an advocate to VRMA should be the place where everyone has something. There should be content, right? Like they don't focus on that side of the business. They've never had to, right? Nope. They, they've always been able to continue to do and operate within the space that they felt comfortable. But now the, the industry is growing and evolving with or without it. And so they are seeing that and they're working and we are working to do something about that. And, you know, it has to be more inclusive. Like it does. Like it has to, you, you have to court this part of the business. You, you have to build and, and create content for that type yeah. of the business at these shows and make these things relevant. And I think, like you said earlier, there's room for everyone, right? Like at the end of the day, we're in the infancy of this new age of our industry. And it's, you know, if you can have a central place that's beneficial for all, with giving the ability people the ability to still work and, and do the things that they do individually, like there's room for everyone to be able to do that and do that well. And I just don't buy the narrative because I think there are differences, but we're all under the same roof and what co-hosts do affect what property managers do and vice versa. Right. And especially with where we are right now and the, the regulatory fights, you know, everyone sees us as one, anyone, they're not anyway, one, anyway, they're going to be like short-term rental vacation, rental manager, whatever you call it, you know, you're using Airbnb and you're using these platforms and you're, you know, we're all in all of these fights together. And so the, for the good and the bad, and that's where I think we have to talk to each other and we need to be involved. Like there's things that I'm not saying Verma needs to go to these conferences, but members of Verma are going to your conference, right. And presented at your conference this year. It's happening. It's integrating. So like, why don't we just adopt and embrace it? And instead of fighting it, let's make more opportunities uh, to do this right. And everybody wins. So I my think there's cents. a lot to unpack there. I don't think, I don't know. I don't know if anybody's actually fighting it. I think they're, they may not know. So I am not educated on Verma. I have never been to a Verma event. Uh, frankly, I've never cared about Verma because I've, I've well, no, I've, I've talked. This to, is your, this is your invite. Yeah. So yeah, here's, yeah. I think we'll make Maddie Rivkin. International in Orlando, yeah. uh, Verma International. Um, this, we are personally inviting you um, to to come to Verma International and and and, and let's, let's start there. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you guys saw Maddie Rifkin's, I think it was Maddie Rifkin that posted on LinkedIn about bringing, uh, you know, Verma and somebody from Verma and myself and another gentleman, you know, to have a conversation at Verma, you know, to have a, a oh, panel sure. about it. Yeah, and, I love it. And I'm and I'm more than happy to do that. And then Will, you know, who hosts both, I think both of our podcasts, right? Are you guys with yeah. Will? Yep. Um, and you know, he did a, a podcast last week. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it because I was traveling uh to kind of start that narrative, which is one thing I love about Will Slickers, is you know, he's he's like Switzerland and he does a great job of, you know, all bringing people together. But I think that needs to it will benefit the industry. Um for it to come together, there is absolutely no question. There's no difference. And there's people that, you know, it's, it's the acronyms. It's, you know, vacation STRs and, you know, arbitrage and co-host. And then I Airbnb and you hear like Sean Raskovich, he Airbnbs, but I guess I don't Airbnb. Right. Right. So I don't even, and I'm not saying he's saying anything wrong, but I don't know the difference, you know? So what does everybody else know? So one of the things that I've looked at, there needs to be if you, if you're going to do this one, the biggest problem in our industry, in my opinion, is there is no national organization and it can't be Verma and it can't be us. It needs to be like a legitimate unbiased national organization that has the entire 
short-term rental industry at heart uh, to advocate for. And we have, you know, advocate different entities that are advocating against each other in our industry. And that's, that's going to be problematic. I think BRMA has always wanted to be, and they, they were the national, you know, the, the national, that's that's their purpose. They're trying to be, but they need to be more inclusive um, in understanding to actually be that. I think it's still the, like the platform to do it. It's also, but the problem is. I would a hundred percent disagree with you. I think there's too much water under the bridge and their mission and their name would all have to change specifically from a lobbying standpoint point good point yeah i I mean so how are they how is the how is rental management going to lobby in in philly or atlanta you know that becomes really challenging and that's what i'm saying there's a national association for almost every industry that is just a non-profit national organization but it's interesting though because we do do it Right. So I'm in Atlanta and and we advocate and VRMA supports the Atlanta Metro Short Term Rental Alliance. Right. Like in that space. And the majority of the Atlanta Metro Short Term Rental Alliance is co-hosts and individual owners. But imagine if you're going in front of city council and you had the National STR Association there and you had their attorney or their lobbyist or the president of their coming in to sit down and represent along with your association that they listen to them. And that's what I'm sharing just as my experience. Cause I donate to almost Airbnb. all of these. Yeah. No, they, the problem is the problem is they listen to Airbnb. Right. And regardless of what you call it, short-term rental STR, I mean, I think there's a, a calling it Airbnb is limiting, right? Like within that space, it's like the Xeroxing of copying machines, right? Like no matter if Canon or anyone else made it, you were making a Xerox copy, right? And so like, we've kind of done that to that our space. Um, and I think it, I think that's the part that minimalizes our language. Like we're all hospitality at the end of the day. And we're all, you know, short-term hospitality, if you want to put it within that space. And it, I think the, I don't disagree with what you're saying about a national organization. I think whatever you call it shouldn't be the divisive point if what we do is similar in the same point in terms I, with starting with hospitality and then differentiating on how you do that hospitality. But the reality is we, we cross so far. I mean, you can argue the nuances, but the, the reality of what we need to do to be successful is similar in the same. So US SDRA, US Short Term Rental Association. It's that simple. It covers everything. And all I'm saying is if you're going to advocate, or if you're going up to second reading on a bill, you know, in Atlanta, and it's one thing if, if you have your local association, but it's another, if you have an established national association that has PR, that has has built a, a trusted brand in our industry on a national scale. One of the, I've seen another HVAC industry. I've seen it in the ground transportation industry when they're fragmented state by state, city by city. It's when we lose the battles from a lobbying standpoint. And there is no chance in my opinion that we will ever be Airbnb ever, but we can get these small wins of getting stuff grandfathered versus, you know, having things eliminated and, you know, just a, a lot of, a, we can get a lot of big wins and, um, I, I I definitely advocate for a national association, but I think it's got to be broad reaching over everything. I, I think I again I'm going to come back. I, I think Verma still is it. I just think it's just an unfortunate 
like like pigeonholed name of, of vacation rental manager association it is the nat it is our national it's the longest uh, they would have to change that to be all inclusive yeah and yes i agree like that is number one like but and you think about that you know that's the that's the number one their name is what keeps new investors and new co-hosts from even having any interest you know into what they do because that's the first roadblock and maybe it may a, maybe seem it's like a rebrand maybe 100 not starting there with a rebrand because they, they had the advocacy they have the they have they do have um, they have the footprint to be entered they're international Right. right. You have to understand they're also international. Right. And unified in that space internationally. And I love this I, I conversation, think, by the way. I think it's I, I do think it's super interesting. I do agree with you, though, John. Like, I think they have the footprint to make this happen. But I think Bill also has a really great point. Like, what can you do to be more inclusive? That's an interesting pers that's an interesting point. If you feel like the name is, you know, exclusionary in, in its, you know, in its in and of itself. Right. Like. I'm just I'm just going to share with you I guys. Mean, that's, that's an interesting point. Sure. I just pulled up US Short-Term Rental Association, ussstra.com. So I would maybe if buy that since you guys are on the board or whatever of Verma, that's what something along those lines. Committees. What's committees. that? I want to I want to clarify for those listening, we're not on the board, we're on committees. We're committees, committees, gotcha. Yeah. Like that's the all-encompassing entity. Mm -hmm. And to where it's not segmented to vacation rental management companies, right? And it's literally sixty nine bucks for that domain. I'll, I'll I'll buy it right now and put it in my account, and we've got it recorded. I'll give it to Verma if they rebrand, uh, because that's that's what we need. I mean, I love rent responsibly. I like Theron Lewis. They're out their their minds are all in the right place, but they have no impact when they show up in Nashville to the city council, right? They may donate dollars, they may help with lobbyists, but you have the president or a lobbyist coming from DC that actually can get a hold of a state senator or whoever's writing those bills and have conversations from a national scope. That's where we see policy, you know, being changed. And it takes a lot of fucking money. There's no question. We're not talking 50 grand to hundred grand, We're talking millions of dollars right. to make this happen. Oh, and again, and that's, that's the thing that I feel like Verma actually gets right. They push, the idea that is not out there. I think advocacy, everybody thinks advocacy is somebody else's issue to fight, right? In our space, because we look at what it takes to galvanize us together, right? To get out and actually contribute time, resources and money and other things to these fights, right? And our fragmentation doesn't help, but that is one thing that Verma does very well. They raise a lot of money for it and they do a lot of local support. Like we couldn't be where we are in Atlanta without them, just being 100% honest. Right. Through case studies that they've funded, through money that they've been able to give and resources that they've been able to arm us with, as along with Rent Responsibly, to get the things that we're getting done in Atlanta right now. And I think, you know, giving them credit where credit is due, like that's going to be a large part of, you know, being able to, we can lobby, but it's also the people on the ground that are, are going to be making this, you know, because we're fighting a hotel lobby, we're, fi we're fighting with or against, or sometimes both Airbnb. And then, you know, the local empowerment is really where these councils are wanting to see, you know, unification and not divisiveness. And that's what I think they're doing a really good job at. But again, the bigger picture, yeah, is 
you know, it takes us all like it does. It, it, it really is. And whether they're one organizations, two organizations, you know, it's where I stand is, you know, we've always been Switzerland and we'll do what's best for the industry and support what's best for the industry. But it has to be inclusive. It just has to. Like, we so won't win this fight alone. I see two events for Verma, one in October and one in September. What's the difference? October is the, the biggest Con their internet the international conference is the main conference that they have every i don't know which one's in september is september it 24th through the 26th it's a three-day event it's vrm extravaganza marketplace i oh, know two different oh, yeah, so no, that, that's 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 favor that's florida's specific one that's florida okay gotcha. case rental managers uh two different two different lines so florida has a favor which is their own which is florida it used to be florida vrma um, then they had to rebrand because they're totally different. Um, but that one specifically, it encompasses Florida, uh, vacation rental. Maybe. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, which is a great show, um, too, for, for, uh, for small, for, for Florida. Um, it, it's, uh, I go every year. Um, two things I want to talk before we get out of here. I want to, you mentioned earlier, we talked about what is, you know, why is the polarization or what do you think is, and you're like, maybe it's me. Um, I think the reason there's two things. Um, or maybe one, not, I don't think it's you. I think it is there with COVID and with every, there was a bunch of, there's a, there's good information being put out. And then there's just a bunch of get, get rich quick, you know, earn a million dollars using your, your iPhone and Airbnb. Um, and that is the perception that anyone that's been in the, in for a while in the trenches of the professionally managed world of vacation rentals think everything else is other than what they're doing. So they think that it's a bunch of smoke and mirrors that, that you and everyone else is just going ahead and like, this is what you do and you don't have to, and it's willy nilly. And it's not a real focus on, on actual hospitality. It's a focus on getting rich. And I think that's the fucking difference. And I think that if we could break that barrier down, Hey, it's not, yes, of course it's about making money. That's the same reason that they're in the industry too. Like, let's, let's be, let's be frank here. Like they got into vacation rentals because they could see to, a way to take care of their family and make a lot of fucking money. Right. There's no difference. We're all in it for the same reason, but the, the difference is the optics of their, of certain, like we could scroll through social media. I'm like, I'm and I can go, that's shitty advice. That's terrible advice. There's a lot of bad advice out there, but then there's great advice. And so, and I think the professionally managed side of things has looking is clumping it all into, this is all bad advice. I think that's the problem. We need to go ahead and break that barrier down and say, can hey, I interrupt you for one second? Yeah. I think please. one of the problems is, is the term that you're using professionally managed. So that is a divisive component that you're implying to you're implying to me that I'm not a professional. I agree. I agree. That's but, a, that's but a, I think that's the way that homeowners and co-hosts would take that. I, but I think that's changing. And I know actually I'm even changing the way that I speak about that, right? Because I think the assumption is when you're talking about professional management, you're talking about a professional management company. When I'm actually talking about the actions in and of itself, I don't care if you have 10 and aren't a professional management company and you're hosting by yourselves, if you're managing in a professional manner, looking at P&Ls, taking care of us, running it in a professional space, that's what I mean 
in that. And I'm not limiting that to professional traditional vacation rental managers. And so, I'm not saying the two of you, but that well, no, I think we I need think to a Burma, it's a Burma dialogue. stigmatism, right? That, that I, has well, to think, be removed. Again, this is yeah, this is where we're the looking at the inclusivity. Right? It's like how do we go yeah. ahead and break down some of these these barriers? How do we go ahead and look at these words and these terminologies in in these 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 things that these constructs that we've built? Well, it's like when I say, Mateo, I'm not going to hold that against you, but you did this two years ago and it pisses me off, right? right. So I think that's the, the, the language is probably the biggest component, to be honest with you. The, I, I the language has to change first. And honestly, I think there should probably be a panel of not like two or three people. If, if Verma will commit to put me on a panel with somebody in Orlando, I'll commit to do the exact same fucking thing. It might at my conference and we need to have like a monthly meeting and draw draft out a strategy of how this would work. Yeah. Right. And, and really I be open enough to identify here's the problems that we see today as an industry. Here's what the ultimate goal is. Could be national association, could be just improved advocacy at a local state level, whatever that is. Well, unify the goals, then let's start working towards that goal. And then it's probably a fucking committee, you know, below that, um, and I'm not talking a committee of just people that nobody knows, like we need influencers. I hate that word, but yeah. people that have a voice in the industry to lead that charge. Would you be down? I mean, the, the would you be down, uh, for a panel that, uh, Mateo and I, uh, co-moderated? I'll, yeah, you guys put it together. I'll put it on my calendar. Let um, me, let, let, let us get with the, uh, I'm going to share this with the team so they can just hear it. Uh, the the day to turn in uh, presentations has passed. It was Monday. It was uh, yesterday. Um, but but they always kind of have a sliding scale for for good presentations. So uh, I'm sure we can still sneak one in. Uh, let me let me talk, um, and we'll see who else we want to get on this this panel, and see. Yeah, see I'm down. I'm down for that. Awesome. Hey yeah. Bill, I want. I know we've gotten to the end of our time here, but what? What would you like to say, like, what would you like to say to, you know, about whatever, uh, before we get out of here and it's your time to shine. Outside. I mean, just, you know, thank you for having me and I appreciate it. And if anybody, you know, has any questions, you can always, the easiest place is probably DM me on Instagram. It's Bill Faith, F-A-E-T-H 73. And every place else I'm B Faith. I got hacked. And so I lost my B Faith on Instagram, but uh, be faith ever TikTok, Facebook, you know, kind of all the other places that are out there. Um, I think it's a great, I think it's a great time to invest. I think it's a great time to buy. You know, if you are a sound investor and you evaluate properties, uh, from a financial perspective and you're running performance, if it can work at seven, seven and a half, eight, eight and a quarter percent, uh, which is what most people are paying right now, then it's going to be really good when you can reposition in 24, 36 months, 48 months down to 5%. It right. will come back. We'll probably, I don't know that I'm, I'm probably too old to ever see 2.75 again, but you know, we it's, will it's get not back. going back there. No, <laughs> probably not. And I don't want it to, you know, the thing I think from an investor side is people are afraid to invest today I know uh, because interest rates are high because there's a looming recession. Well, we're either in a recession now because it's been looming for 14 months, 15 yeah. months, and we've never had that type of heads up. It's just all political propaganda bullshit, in my opinion. Um, so if you can make the property work today financially and you have the wherewithal, the finances behind it to carry a property, if you're buying, then do it. If you don't have the money, start by co-hosting. Uh, if you're young and you don't, you don't have any cash, 
you can start co-hosting for nothing, like literally zero. You probably legitimate need about a thousand bucks to go file an LLC, get some articles in corporation to get some insurance. Um, you know, but those are the two easiest barriers to, to entry. And, you know, I, I, I love what you guys are, are chatting about. And I love the, uh, the unification standpoint. I didn't realize how big the separation was until today, you know, to be honest with you. And it kind of started with that LinkedIn uh, post from Maddie, if you, maybe last week. Um, but I think that's something that we need to nip in the butt quickly um, and try to figure something out of what that best course of action is. Not for Verma, not for the short-term rental wealth conference or Bill Faith or no, anybody. No, for, for the greater good. A hundred percent, but for, for the industry. Yeah. Um, because I've seen personally what happens in industries that are dysfunctional and in industry and yeah. smaller industries that have no voice that are unified. Um, right. and we're going to need that more than ever. I mean, regular, I don't know if you guys have your finger on the pulse nationwide or not, but I mean, it's every fucking day, uh, that I hear something about new regulation getting ready to drop. Um, oh, yeah. and almost all, it's not just Philly and Dallas and Atlanta and Honolulu anymore. It's, it's everywhere. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we talk about it all the time. We talk about the importance of getting involved early and, you know, in, in your community, because if you're if you don't have regulatory issues today, whether you're a vacation destination <laughs> or not, you're going to have them. And so make yourself a presence, make yourself in that in that community, be the source of knowledge, be the source of truth, be the be the person that, hey, I work in the vacation rental or short term rental or co-hosting or whatever the fuck you want to call it, it doesn't matter. I'm a professional in this industry. You can trust me. Let's go ahead and talk and let's work through this together before shit hits the fan because at some point it's going to hit the fan. Well, I just, I kind of go back. I have a mass. I, I mean, I just supported Dallas a couple of months ago with a donation and, um, you know, I try to help financially. I don't have the time to get involved with every one of these local municipalities, but I will tell you the one thing that I've seen successful, whether it's Firma, a new association, whatever it is, they need to put the blueprint together and distribute that to people in every municipality. And they need to have an educational program on how to start and organize, right? Because Honolulu had nothing. And thank God for John on and Kate bliss and these people that are there uh, that were able to organize and reach out to Theron and reach out to me and to these people that could help them that have been through these things before, because it's by the time, it hits by the time a piece of legislation hits first reading, it's too late. It's essentially yeah. rubber stamped at the end of that meeting and it's going to pass whatever it is, unless you have a lot of money and lobbyists and attorneys to put into action immediately that have direct recourse into the people that are controlling that vote. Yeah. So I think the number one thing for me is that our industry has to form and it's hard. I'm trying to do it in Whitefish, Montana right now. And it is that whole area, it's, there's pockets of where the, the, the back office, you know, city council people have picked and choose where they live and where they want to regulate or not regulate. And thank God I bought out in, in the middle of nowhere, but inside the county and the city limits, it's yeah. just like every place else. But getting people to want to form an organization is almost impossible, even for somebody that has a reach like I do. And I already know five or six homeowners there. We'll end up with five or six members, and that's not going to do us any good, you know, walking into a city council meeting if we have to. So I think early, um, you know, early execution to get these local municipalities ready to be able to, I don't want to say fight, but to defend what we currently have 
um, should be a, a big initiative on whoever, whatever entity is going to lead that charge. Yeah, I agree. And, and that's and responsibly, just to put it out there, if there are people out there that are in that situation, they have the starter kits on their website, in their resource section. They have the how to get it started, everything from templates to reach out to your local uh, city councilmen and other municipality people. So they do have a blueprint, but they also have links to other organizations that are in the midst of the fight uh, that can be resources for you and give you other resources within the fight. See, I didn't even know that. Yes. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, shout out to so, Dave and Krause so and Alexa out there. And, you know, Dave and what Dana and Alexa are doing are a hell of a job in terms of doing that part, too. The RMA is doing their part. And like this is part of the problem. People don't know that. Right. This should this should be central because there needs to be marketing efforts behind that to get that in the hands of the right people. Right. And, and that's the problem with well that's, well, that's the problem with segregated networks because it goes within the networks, but it doesn't expand to people who need it beyond that. It's, it's, like, it's really, it's a, it's out, a simple fix yeah. by somebody like VRMA and somebody that owns a conference like I do. Mm -hmm. Because when you sign up for my conference, I know your first name, your last name, the city that you want. We ask the city that you operate in VRMAs because sponsors demand that information, right? So VRMA is asking for the same info that we're asking for. We can cherry pick municipalities and ask people to come to a free lunch and we get somebody you know, the, the no BS podcast comes in and sponsors lunch for 10 grand. And literally we bring two or three people from each one of those markets in and put a hundred or 150 people for a free lunch. And then we advocate for them and say, here's this with somebody needs to lead in your marketplace. If you're not that person, here's why it's important. Right. And you give them that bullet pointed slide. And if you may not be the person that's here, but we need your help. So you don't get fucked down the line when you find find out about that legislation and it's too late to find somebody to be the advocate in your market. Great fact. Bill, this has been awesome. Thank you. I appreciate you. guys. We just got started. We could talk another hour. Definitely have you back. I thought this was a three hour podcast. Yeah, we'll have you back. It could have easily gone that way for sure. Um, thank you so much. Appreciate you. For for those of you that are listening to our podcast, and have not liked us on, on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, give us a like, leave us a review. If you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and smash that like button, share, do all that, hit the bell, all that shit that you're supposed to do. We appreciate you. And thank you so much. Until next time. Grateful. Thank Thanks, you Bill. This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.